Hey, come over here, kid. Learn something. You never know, you might have to cook for 20 guys someday. You see? You start out with a little bit of oil, and you fry some garlic. Then you throw in some tomatoes, some tomato paste. You fry it, you make sure it doesn't stick. You got it to a boil, you shove in all your sausage and your meatballs. Huh? And a little bit of wine. And a little bit of sugar. And that's my trick. Why don't you cut the crap? I got more important things for you to do. How's Paulie? Oh, Paulie won't see him no more. Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouthfuls podcast, a movie podcast with zero table manners. Each episode we'll be tucking into movies and maybe someday the odd TV show to chow down some of the most iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history, as well as just about everything else it seems, so long as we have some vaguely associative notion towards food and drink. I'm your host Jordan, aka the bloke always forgetting the cannolis and also trying to be known as the film fella online, and as always I'm joined by the UK's number one competitive eater, a guy who probably wished he did refuse the offer of joining this podcast in journey. It's my co-host who loves some Italian sausage, Bid Meets Food! Is that supposed to be an insult that I love sausage? <laughs> who the <laughs> fuck doesn't love sausage? Every- everyone loves sausage. It was no veiled innuendo at all, I swear. <laughs> that was the, that, that was the longest intro clip ever as well. You got like a full recipe there. If you it's- take nothing else from this episode, you got an actual recipe for so- meatball sauce or whatever the heck he was trying to one hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably one of the longer films that we've done, so you know, might as well. Start as we mean to go on. Hopefully, it's not like a three-hour-long episode as well. But how are you doing anyway? Yeah, I'm, apart from you obliterating my eardrums, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I, I should point out, as I have done on the previous two episodes, that we are still obviously recording at home and. As always, the levels are fine on one program we're using, but the program that we're using to do this call is uh, obviously melting Adam's poor ears. So I, I do apologise if my uh, very strong Yorkshire dulcet tones are bleeding their way down your ear canal. <laughs> it's alright, I think I'll live. I'll be alright. <laughs> but you're all good. Um, we normally do the whole, uh, what have you been watching, what have you been up to, shtick. Do you want to, uh, do you want to tell me what you've been doing? <laughs> I, sh- I should really make notes of things that I, I you know, I, I do watch, but I, I, I've not really had the time. But I've been busy filming stuff this week, so I've not really had a great deal of time to watch anything. I watched just by chance because I, I, I got edit done editing late last night. I watched half of True Lies for what must be the eighty seventh time, I think, and I went to bed halfway through because I, you know, I was getting tired. But um, that's a, that, I mean, I don't think there's any food in there to be honest. But um, I, I love that film. But uh, yeah, obviously that's nothing new. So uh, I keep I, I keep I, I'm hearing people talk about this movie called Moonfall a lot, but I don't think it's like on <laughs> any streaming services. But it sounds like a ridiculous concept. Uh, the moon is literally falling to the earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it sounds like it could be like B movie fun, if that makes sense. You know, I've not seen it, so I can't comment. But I did see the trailer for it, and I was like, this looks so bad that it might actually be good. Like I might watch it and be like. Yeah, like you know, it's it'll be a fun thing to watch. But yeah, I, I've seen the trailer for. It. I think it came out like last month. Obviously, at the moment reco- we are recording at the beginning of April, so I think it came out a very early March. They didn't stick around for very long, so it probably will be on streaming shortly. It's weird, isn't it? It's like that the whole kind of cinema theater going thing is like it's not the same as it was. You know, like if it, when films get released, they they have a limited release, don't they? Even like your, your big shot movies have like a shortish uh, release and then they're on streaming services. I don't know, like at least to, you know, to buy or rent like two months later. It's, it's mad. Disney seemed to be quite on it. Like whenever they've released summer in the cinema, it seems to have ended up on Disney plus within a matter of a few months. I can't remember the exact amount of days they've reduced it to, but whatever happened during the pandemic made a lot of them sign new agreements with cinema chains where the window's been death. shortened. De- death, death happened during the pandemic, Jordan. Is that what you mean? You're referring to lots of death. Lots of death and uh, yeah, the uh, decline of the, the cinema, but I will, I will keep going. I will, I will keep going until they drag me out of there. <laughs> Well, you got, haven't you? You got your fucking members card or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I got my money's worth. Well, I kind of maybe, maybe I should have refunded it because I went to go see Morbius uh, this past week, and uh, yeah, dude, not, have not you great. have you learned nothing? <laughs> have you learned nothing? Why, man, you got to stop going to see that shit, especially when it's. I mean, at least when it's, it's Marvel, 
you can kind of think, oh, okay, they're going to be reasonably true to the original material. It's not even Marvel, but though, I'm is not... it? It's like offshoot Sony I mean. trying to yeah, cash in on Marvel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, at least when it's Marvel, like they've overseen the sh- the you know the production. You know, you know it's going to be reasonable. If nothing else, true to the characters and whatnot. When Sony get involved. <laughs> destroyed spider-man for a pretty long time and then they did subjects to that venom nonsense and now morbius my god like why why does this guy have his own film like for god's sake yeah it's it's not great matt smith is excellent in it though um really hams up being like a very stupid villain but that's the only good thing i can really say about it the rest of it is pretty garbage um yeah they're, they're just oh, milking they're Jared. just milking spider-man out there for for all the money it's worth. I mean, he said that this week, Jared Leto did an interview where he was like, oh, I'm thinking of quitting acting in the next like five to ten years. So why the hell have Sony picked this guy who, who they're clearly trying to make like a franchise off of the back of or sat, you know, do a Sinister Six Spider-Man villain film with him in it. And he's he's thinking of quitting in like five years. Like, it's just illogical. Why is, is, is he going back to 30 Seconds to Mars? Is I think it, he's still he, doing that, isn't he? I saw I saw a post oh doing the rounds recently where everyone thought he'd started a sex cult. I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter. He um no. he basically he did it was for the last album or the last single that they brought out, and he, he like rented an island and got everyone to wear like long like occultist like white robes and follow him around like he was like Jesus, like a cult leader. But it was for a music video. But obviously, people found it on the internet and then like um, you know. The gen below me. I, I'm a millennial. I can't remember what what the age group is below. But everyone's dived on it, and they think that he's like some sort of sex cult guy that's got like some sort of weird cult. They've not done like any can research. Talk, can, 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 <laughs> let me just let, let, let me get this back on track. Can we talk about the Godfather, please? I yes, know, we can talk. I've, I've jumped. I've let the cat out of the bag early there, but I, I, cannot, <laughs> I can't face this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say the other stuff that I watched. I watched Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which balanced it out, but I'll, we'll, we'll save that for another time. There's chili dogs in that. He likes a good chili dog, the Sonic, so we could talk about that one day if I can convince you to. <laughs> I didn't even see the first one, and Jim Carrey's in it. If Jim Carrey's in a film and I decide not to watch it, despite that fact, that, that tells you what I think about it. Like, why, why? We don't need a Sonic the Hedgehog film. You know? like, I mean, come on. Yes, now. we do. Anyway. I saw actually part of the first, I saw part of the first one, and I, I, thought it was, I was like, no. <laughs> All right, then, just for you, I guess, seeing as though you did let the cat out of the bag or the fish out of the wrapper or the horse's head out of the bed. See what I did there? Uh, we, are, <laughs> we are nay, indeed. Oh, not nay, it's dead. <laughs> uh, we're doing The Godfather. Um, yeah, we thought finally we should probably do like a bit of a big hitter just because we, we sort of meddle around this sort of pool of like, we'll pull like one in like every five films we do is like something big that's got like some semblance of good food or like a big scene in it and then we'll we'll just dive into random stuff because you know stretching content out i guess yeah right should we get into this let's so the godfather 1972 francis ford coppola and offer yep. you can't refuse. That is a tagline. I'm just, I'm just spouting about, like very early facts about the film. <laughs> I was, but you stole my thunder there. I was about to make a gag and say, "I'm gonna make him an offer you can't refuse," like that, and then fucking, you, you took it. It's like he's but almost yeah, yeah, resurrected um, and come back there with that performance by you almost, just saying. <laughs> yeah, resurrected with the orange still in his mouth from the <laughs> what's it? What's it? An or- I was gonna say vineyard. That's not right. An orangery. Where wherever Vito dies. Spoiler alert. Um, everyone knows that though. Famous scene in cinema history. Yeah, Godfather often uh, were considered at least amongst the, the 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 greatest films of all time. Often it's up in the one or the two or the three or the you know for the top five somewhere, and uh, for good reason. I've never been a huge fan of it, you know. Like I mean, I I, I recently rewatched it, um, and it is a gr- is a great film. I don't know that I would have it in my top ten. I'll be honest, but that might be sacrilege to some of the listeners. The two yeah. listeners. I mean, but, um, yeah. yeah. Great film. I mean, I mean, I, I obviously you picked this film this week, um, presumably because as you just dropped into conversation there, you did did happen upon watching it <laughs> this past week. So indeed, yeah. Sometimes that makes life a lot easier for both of us. Um, we were planning on doing The Godfather, and I did drop um the big bombshell on you that I've never actually seen The Godfather uh, to to some shock and anger from you. However. 
I wanted to watch it a while ago and I decided to wait until we did an episode. So I've been saving it. And uh, like you've yeah. said, this, you, for some people, this is quite interesting, I, I guess, maybe, because it's like a brand new, like, what does this guy that's not seen it before think of it? He's seen, I've seen other, other mafia films. I saw The Irishman, which is probably one of the more recent ones that's come out. And, you know, I liked it, but I thought it was a bit lethargic and long and slow. This has got a really good pace to it. Like, I can see why people like it. It just doesn't really seem to be particularly slow for, for the length of time that the film was. I think that was the thing that put me off a lot beforehand, was, that, oh, God, this is going to be a right slog, and it's going to take ages before some cool twist comes in or it gets interesting. But it's not. It's actually it's actually quite a good film. Maybe I probably wouldn't put it in my top ten films ever, but I can see why people rate it so highly i think on imdb it's like the second highest rated imdb film after the shawshank redemption just the the, tr- the one true greatest film of all time yeah shawshank. <laughs> but to be up in, in 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 touching distance of shawshank it means it's a great film not least because probably the, the cast is great the direction naturally is great it's shot amazing the story's cute i didn't i didn't actually know until recently it was adapted from a a book yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was an original screenplay, but no, it was a, a book. And actually, not too long after the book was uh, uh, released. So, um, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool film. If I'm a little bit lethargic today, I, I ate shit tons of food earlier, <laughs> so like I'm, I'm, I'm overheating. But you know, I, I, I try to keep together. I can, uh, yeah, just just for for the listeners at home, I don't think we'll be sharing these uh, these sort of temporary out of studio videos that we're doing while we're recording this but yeah adam's here in a, in a tank top and he did message me beforehand saying that he's eating a copious amount of food which is kind of his whole mo beforehand and he's struggling he's, he keeps leaning forward and i keep panicking that he's going to just collapse onto his camera or his microphone no, that's, just and... to reach, that's, to, that's to reach the mic you're lucky that i am not nude i put on the, the, skimp, the skimpiest stringer that i own just in case i leak um, these just in case yeah <laughs> Oh, I can only see the top half. Slip at some point. <laughs> that's how we get. That's how we get everyone in. That's how we get all the fans. That would be the thumbnail, wouldn't it? Or the the nip nail, I guess. That sounds what, awful. What mind- <laughs> Move on. <laughs> right. Okay. So as mentioned, The Godfather, 1972 classic, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, um, who also directed, believe it or not, The Godfather Part Two and The Godfather Part Three. I know, but also Apocalypse Now and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh my God, don't get me started on that. That is a flipping amazing movie. I <laughs> love that movie so much. Is there any food in that? Because we should do it. I just love the whole... <laughs> I've got, yeah, we, have to, we have to do that for, for Halloween. I'm, I'm going to find the meeting something at some point in that film just so we can talk about that film. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Um, He's Nicholas Cage's uncle too, isn't he? Or yeah, oh, you just stole my thunder there, mister. I was like, oh, yeah, he's sorry. Nicholas Cage. I only learned about this recently because apparently Nick Cage, he did an interview the other week, one of the weirdest interviews ever. If you go on YouTube and look for, it's like a wired autocomplete interview or one of one of those ones or on the internet with Nick Cage. And all of his answers are just like mental. Like the, the normal questions and then he just, he doesn't answer in a normal sort of person way. But one of the rumours on his Wikipedia is that he wanted to be in The Godfather Part 3 when he was quite young, and he tried to do an audition, but there wasn't an audition. Like, he just turned up at his uncle and just started, like, screaming at him and, like, acting like <laughs> how how he wanted to be in the film. And apparently his uncle was just like, no, I can't I can't put you in it, but, um, you know, I, I appreciate the balls of you just turning up and, you know, trying to get us to put you in the film sort of thing. That's so... That's, that's too high level, that isn't it really? Well, admit, no, God, Godfather three, nah, that's not high level. But um, yeah, I could. I mean, he he is mad as a box of frogs, isn't he, Nicholas Cage? And I love him for it. I want to see that new thing that he's doing. You know, it's it's like a pastiche, like he's taking the piss out of himself. Can't wait for that. I mean, I'm I'm away. I'll be I'll be in the land down under at that point. So I'm gonna have to catch it when I get back. But yeah, I can't I can't wait for that. The unbearable weight of massive talent, or he's playing himself. Yeah. yeah, it looks it looks brilliant. Apparently. He originally pitched to them, just on a side note, that he didn't want to play himself, and he said it'd be funnier if someone else played him. But they were adamant that you know we want you to play yourself, 
Which I think will be funnier, and, personally. And Nicolas Cage cannot say no to any movie. I feel like if I if I pitched a movie to Nicolas Cage, he'd get like Bruckheimer on the phone, and he'd, we'd make the movie he, regardless of what it. Was. He probably would, but as part of this interview, we're kind of going off on a tangent. It's the Nick Cage like power minute of, of facts here. But on the video that he did, and I knew this beforehand. Have you seen that article before where he bought the um, T Rex skull and then he had to give it back to? Um, Oh, bloody hell, where is it now? It begins with an M. He basically bought it in an auction, but it turns out it was an illegal auction that he wasn't aware of. He spent like a million dollars on this T-Rex skull, and then he had to give it back to the country that asked for it because uh. because of that. And that's why he's been in debt for such a long time, that and like his IRS debts and stuff. And that's why he does all of the B-list and C-list films. He just doesn't say no to anything, takes the paycheck. But he said he will never, ever phone in doing a B or C list film. So no matter what it is, if you're paying him, he will give you like a hundred percent of whatever you want from him or whatever, you know, hundred percent of the cage. Yeah. So it does explain why he's been in a lot of really weird, odd films. This is like the intro to this has been mad long. Let's, let's get on to Godfather, right? Let's forget Nicolas Cage. Yeah. That Francis Ford Coppola directed it. Any other stats you want to throw out there? Won three Oscars in 1973 for Best Picture, Best Leading Role for Marlon Brando, and Best Writing Screenplay based on, like, you know, material. Like you said, it was based on a book. Um, mm-hmm. Had, like, 31 other wins and 30 nominations, so, like, a powerhouse in terms of award-winning films. And we won't talk about the recent Oscars, because we didn't mention it last time. We're not going to mention it this time. I'm sick to death of hearing about that, man. Let's, <laughs> just, let's, let's move over it. Um, right. Do you want to do your famous, on this podcast only, synopsis of The Godfather? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this could be... It's a bit of a convoluted movie in parts, but I'll give it my best shot. Oh, no. Nah, that wasn't a very good knuckle crack. But anyway... Um, yeah, so uh, the Godfather is, as the name may suggest, it, it, it covers organized crime um, uh, in in a kind of more personal detail um, than perhaps was customary before. You follow the Corleone family, centrally headed by the Godfather, um, <laughs> played by uh, Marlon Brando, Vito Corleone, and his uh, his um, you know his family, uh, one of which is Al Pacino, is kind of estranged because I think he's been he's been at war. Uh, I think he was in the Marines actually specifically. But um, and then there's the the rest of the the family who have been kind of operating the the, the organized crime stuff. Uh, you have got James Khan as uh, Santino or Sonny Corleone. You got uh, some bloke as uh, what's he called? The wet one who gets sent to the casino, Fredo. Fredo Corleone, the slightly bald head. Yeah. You've got Connie Corleone, played by Talia Shire, uh, famous, probably most famous uh, for playing Adrian Adrian! in the the Rocky movie. Uh, There's a a whole uh, slew of supporting uh, cast members, and it it essentially follows the the trials and tribulations of the the, the day-to-day workings of an organized crime syndicate, uh, and tracks centrally the fact that the other rival factions are trying to kill Vito Corleone and um the the more distant member of the family Al Pacino Michael um he kind of almost at first almost reluctantly gets into the life um and then uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying he becomes the godfather uh, and uh, yeah that's did I do a good job is that all right yeah it's kind of like the circle of life for Italian mafia isn't it but yeah he's estranged isn't he because he's been to the walks it's set i didn't know this watching this like coming into it as a complete noob that it is set like 1945 through to like 1955 so it's basically straight after the wars just ended and it also what i thought were really cool about the plot is that the reason that the other um you know the other heads of the other families are sort of after him in the first place is he refuses an offer to to do narcotics to start dealing in drugs because obviously they do olive oil which they've probably got the money from doing gambling which is the thing that he did before and like racketeering and stuff so they've obviously made all that money during like the war years or whatever had this olive oil business he won't do narcotics some of the other families don't want to do it either because there's that center mentality kind of like 1940s where the modern age is kind of clashing with the, the previous decades and war and stuff and yeah it's kind of like that that turning point and then obviously you get michael's character being this reluctant don't want to be part of the business becomes part of the business and he's kind of like the new age 
sort of where they're pushing forward from the point where his his father didn't want to do before. So I thought it was really cool. I think your synopsis was excellent, by the way. I think you did really well there. Well done, bravo. Thanks for the patronising um, <laughs> overview there of my of my synopsis. It's also good. I think if you're into cinema, it's a cool film to watch just to see Al Pacino act before he like shouted everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, it's true. Al Pacino, like in the middle of this, that made him just sh- every role afterwards just <laughs> shout. I think it's probably after like. I don't know, maybe Serpico. No, Carlito's way. After that, he just shouted everything. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a, a nuanced performance, this one. And uh, uh, yeah, a, a good one. No, it's, it's very good. I mean, well, you rattled through some people cast-wise, and I'll be quick on this one. But obviously, Marlon Brando playing Don Vito Carlione. Carlione. Um, Fucking love it? Brando, by the way, because <laughs> he, refu- he refused his Oscar, you know? That's like one of the things that people often forget, I think, about Marlon no, Brando. Or something our generation. Oh, yeah, he did to ra- ra- raise oh. awareness of the plight of the uh, American Indian. Yeah. Yes. No, I've seen that recently. We've Native obviously American. the thing that just happened <laughs> in this this year's Oscars. There was like a, a video that came up of if you thought that was bad, look at all these other crazy Oscar moments. And yeah, that was on there. Yeah, no, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, he's also been cancelled. I think for some dodgy women-related stuff, but we won't go into that. Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Before no, it's recent. Time, I, I've got, I've got plausible deniability. This is before. <laughs> as a, as, a, as an actor, great guy. As a bloke, questionable is what I will say. If, if you do the digging, but we'll leave it at that. Um, it was in Apocalypse Now, which obviously the the director of this film also did. Uh, Last Tango in Paris. He was, um, is it Jorel? Is it Kalel's? Father Jorel in Superman 1978. You know it's fucking Jorel, man. Don't <laughs> pretend like you don't know it's Jorel. <laughs> uh, the Island of Doctor Monroe, Moreau, even not Monroe, and uh, he died in 2004. Just for people wondering, um, Al Pacino, obviously Michael Corleone, uh, Serpico, as you mentioned before, he's recently been in House of Gucci. He's less shouty in that, but I think it's because he's getting old. Uh, Scarface. Now, man. <laughs> oh, actually, I watched. Uh, I watched Heat. I watched Heat the other day, which is uh, I've seen before, but. Um, to go back to the intro part, I, that was one other film I watched. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, it was in The Irishman, which I didn't particularly love. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Dick Tracy, Callie, as well. Yeah. James Kahn. You, you don't have to name every fucking film. Yeah, James Kahn was I in do. Elf. That's probably Elf yes. and Misery. Yes. Uh, Charlie Shire was in Rocky and some yep. other shit. You missed, um, you missed and- one. You missed one that I thought you would have mentioned straight away because it goes all the way back to episode three of the Movie Mouthfuls podcast. But you've got Robert uh, Duvall. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Wait, wait, wait. So, so, what, what was the film? And we did in episode three, and I'll tell you what, what you're getting at. Falling Down. Falling Down. Uh, the fuck? Was Diane Keaton in Falling Down? No. I just said the name of the actor. You weren't listening. Oh, <laughs> no, I wasn't listening. <laughs> Robert Duval. So, the guy who plays Tom ah! Hagen. Yes. One yeah, of the central characters. Tom, the, con- con- the conciliary. Yeah. Yep. Also plays Fish in, uh, in Deep Impact. Yes. And he was also in Kicking and Screaming, but I don't really remember where... He, he probably wasn't a bigger part of that, and I don't remember that stupid football soccer as the St. America film that Will Ferrell was in. Um, but yeah, I won't go through them all, but they were just some standouts. Shall we get to the reason that you're here? Yeah, what is not even food. I was going to say, it's not food. It's not the outro. The real reason you're here is to play said game. That's why you're here. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I'm, oh man, I'm, <laughs> you're in a food coma, right? Are you dying? <laughs> I am. I'm not. I'm not feeling too well. Um, yeah, this I've got. You know what? I've got no. I was thinking about this right before we started, and I, I was thinking, shit, man, I don't know. I've got absolutely because I, I. For those of you who don't know, I, before we stopped filming, filming, we stopped before we stopped recording. I, I was on a bit of a streak of get, not getting it dead on, but I was getting pretty close, right? Um, and then last week I didn't do too well. Uh, and this week, I think I'm going to be miles off. So should I just go for it? I <laughs> just, think the budget just dive was... straight in. Go on, budget. Uh, it wasn't like... Marlon Brando was like basically getting no offers for films at this point. Like He was past the, the, the golden era of his career, so he probably couldn't have commanded a huge fee. The rest are all kind of, at the time, like character actors, so no massive stars in it. Even Pacino back then. Uh, 30 million. 
so far off. <laughs> it's not miles off. I don't yeah. know. $6 million was the budget. Oh, that, well, I mean, like, what was it made? 1974? 72, yeah. So It's hard for me to adjust for, you know, like, fiscally adjust. <laughs> it, that could be, to be fair, it could be like a today's $30 million <laughs> from the six. Google that. Like that. What, what was, what is, what, I just keep talking while I Google this. <laughs> Well, the next bit is the box office. Have a think about that whilst you type. Can you, if you can multitask? Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it is a two-part game. Um, I, I know it's. I mean, it's hard to. But it, I know it was massively successful, and they didn't think it was going to do much at, at the box office, but it was huge. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, hundred million. I mean, you proper ramped it up from what how much the budget was, but you're nowhere close. So the uh, estimated box office globally, $250 million. Oh, the flipper. That's probably the biggest. Like, If you look at the split from, from budget to, to box office, that's probably the biggest spread we've had in, in like the whole series. Possibly. I'm, I'm wondering, statistically, if it's one of the biggest, you know, like profiteering films ever made or not i'm not sure i mean i didn't look into it probably should have looked into it we have a full section wait wait, wait. hang about <laughs> hang about i've got the answer to this question right Go if, on. I, if i had seven million dollars in 1972 that would be equivalent today to roughly speaking 42 million Ooh. so i wasn't actually yeah. off. not bad you were just thinking in today's money shall i let him have it folks tweet in i'm just, dig- <laughs> I'm just dig- digging myself out. it should be like a 10 percent rule we'll say that for you if i get within 10 percent, that's a win but i mean i was miles out there <laughs> well um, now that that's over and done with, and uh, you probably want to keep moving on, should we jump to facts? Yeah, I mean, we've done enough of them already, but yeah, go on, let's get some more. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola inserted the detail of people eating Chinese food out of white takeout containers as a memory from his childhood. So I, I was wondering this, whether that was a thing that will have been around in like 1945 through to like 1950 or not. But uh, yeah, oh, by the way, these facts are all related to the food that was in the film, if that wasn't clear. Like, it sounds like a shit fact in out of context, in context, no, good, about that, food. That's a good fact. It's quite interesting. It's a good fact. But I don't know. I just, part of me was like, I was looking at that scene for ages and I was like, is that like, are they takeout containers? Like, is that something like, I don't know, maybe, maybe my thought process on when Chinese food as a, as an industry took off. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would probably. I didn't think the same thing, but I could see how you'd think. Maybe you know, it was, it's a little early for for that. But I, I don't know. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not from New York, so I, I couldn't tell you what they were, what the <laughs> habits were. So they're, they're generally ahead of the world. So I mean, when was if you've seen the founder, when's that supposed to be based? You know, the McDonald's movie. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, actually, yeah, no, good point. That's only a decade or so after isn't it. That starts around sixties. So yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, we're we're not food historians nor are we very good film reviewers either but we'll, we'll soldier on either uh, so according to a production assistant between takes of the restaurant scene sterling hayden snacked on fruit and milk as he only ate natural foods he read dear theo a collection of letters from vincent van gogh or van gogh depending on where you are in the world to his brother he then mysteriously disappeared he had taken a stroll fallen asleep down by the river and was awakened by boys throwing rocks at him. Who was that? Um, Sterling Hayden. Who did he play? I don't know. <laughs> I realised that I was well, part, sake, of, part, of the research, that? part of the research was to check who Sterling Hayden was and I forgot. Should we check? We have the, the magic of the internet. I think from what you're getting at, he's probably, is he the police chief? He's the, I've just checked, he's the police chief. The guy right. that um, Michael yes. assassinates in the infamous restaurant scene. Yes, um, and it's actually a pretty for the time. It's I remember the first time I saw Godfather, kind of being like, it's not grotesquely gory or anything, but I remember it being it kind of uh, it left me because it's kind of so realistic. Because he shoots him in the throat almost accidentally, and then pops him in the head thereafter. Yeah, and he gets him in the throat, and the guy acts it really well, like you know, like he's choke, almost like he's choking because he's been shot straight through the neck. Um, there's the guy but, with the glasses uh, as well when he's having the massage and he takes his, puts his glasses on to see who's at the door and then they shoot him straight through the glasses and like the blood comes out yeah. through the glass as well which is a really cool like shot they're as well bit, I, I mean they're a bit hit and miss with the, the action scenes because the part the sad part where, I'm going to give it spoilers away here left, right, spoilers the, folks the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the part where Santino James Khan is riddled with about 400 bullets yeah. on the uh, on the bridge mm. uh, I, I got the, I was looking at it thinking I think there would be more blood, but uh, you know <laughs> they, they, they were probably limited uh, in terms of practical effects at the time. 
Turned him into Swiss cheese, didn't they? Pretty much <laughs> on that point. Yeah, he did, man. Yeah, poor guy. That's that. That was gets me that part because the the one thing about this movie you got to say is this is I think the reason they often say critics often say that Godfather Two is better or at least one of the best sequels ever made because the second one kind of paints it a bit more realistically, like the consequences of organized crime and you know the corruption of power. Whereas in Godfather, this the first Godfather. Their protagonists aren't they? You're supposed to like him, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're supposed to like James Khan, even though he's a fucking mobster, because he's you know, he gets vengeance for uh, his sister being beat up by that scoundrel. I forget his name now. Um, and you're supposed to like Michael, you're supposed to like Vito, you know, even though they're terrible, terrible people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it accomplishes that. That's, I think, another thing that makes it uh, makes it good. Not that I'm obviously condoning organized crime, far from it. Um, but they, you know, if I was going to be a mobster, it would probably be. And it, uh, uh, are there any Irish mobsters? I've got Irish heritage, probably not. So I'd, I'd probably be an Italian uh, mobster because they eat a lot. Well, the Irishman's based on Irish mobsters, isn't it? In a, yeah, in mean, a sense. They're, they're probably a bit naff, aren't they, though? I mean, like, they don't go. I mean, I, I th- when I think culturally of, of mobsters, I think like Italian American uh, uh, crime syndicates, I think of the Yakuza, which incidentally is, I think, is that another film with Jared Leto? I've not seen it, but anyway. Um, and uh, that's may- maybe Cockneys, like the craze and whatnot. I don't think of Irish people. <laughs> anyway, that was a <laughs> not, weird not in that context. He loves Irish people outside of that context, folks. Oh yeah, man. Just, I am like 12, Irish or something. I'm just saying I don't think they're the best when it comes to organized <laughs> crime. Not that you should be the best. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> oh dear. Right, we'll move on to animal rights because that'll surely do us in. Um, it, it, it's not a bad thing. So I thought just because it's to do with pet food sort of we will we will do this and again me being a complete noob to this film and not really thinking oh is that practical or is that real or, or what you know because it's 1972 so animal rights activists protested the horse's head scene francis ford coppola told variety there were many people killed in that movie but everyone worries about the horse it was the same on the set when the head arrived it upset many crew members who are animal lovers who like little doggies what they don't know is that we got the head from a pet food manufacturer who slaughters 200 horses a day just to feed those little doggies. During rehearsals, a false head was used for the bedroom scene. For the film shot, a real horse's head was used, acquired from a dog food factory, as just mentioned. According to John Marley, his scream of horror was real, as he was not informed that a real head was going to be used. <laughs> That's insane. Back when they did, they did it right back then, man. That's, that was a golden age of cinema. Imagine that. Yeah, we're just gonna rehearse this. Oh, that, it's shrieks, just a prank, shrieks. dude. It's just a prank. <laughs> just stick full dead horse with with you know copious amounts of blood. Just stick it in the bed. I mean, how did they not? I I remember watching that, thinking I was watching it. The reason I watched it actually was because uh, Mrs. Beard's never seen it, and she wanted to watch it. Um. And I remember thinking the first few times I saw that movie, I was thinking, you'd never be able to sneak that into somebody's bed and they wouldn't wake up. But now living with Mrs. Beard, I know <laughs> absolutely you could do that. She would like, I could put anything next to her. I could put a live horse next to her, that <laughs> kicking and screaming, she probably wouldn't wake up. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very heavy sleeper as well, so I probably would have fallen foul to this as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I just thought it was pet food related. We'll keep rattling through these. So for the scene where Clemenza, as um, you know, the, the top end of this podcast, is cooking, Francis Ford Coppola originally wrote in the script, Clemenza browns some sausage. Upon seeing this, Mario Puzo crossed out browns and replaced it with fries, writing in the margin, gangsters don't brown. Yeah, man. That should, <laughs> you think you get a t-shirt with that on? I want to get a t-shirt with the gangsters don't brown. What we like uh, some sausage in a pan or something like that on the on the front that of it. Sh- that, sh- <laughs> that should be the name of like a hip hop album, don't you think? <laughs> Gangsters don't. Bro- I-, I can see it now <laughs> in some retro like seventies font. That's I'm gonna steal that. I'm putting yeah. that on shirt. I-, I feel like a lot of these facts because they're kind of around the food scenes that we can maybe talk in the next section a little bit more about the film and the food scenes. But then we're pretty much done. I would say good. So fucking good. <laughs> Oranges, if you didn't notice already, being the avid, you know, film fan that you are, Beard, um, are the colour that foreshadowed death in this film. Again, obviously this was new to me, obviously I did the research straight away after watching and was like, the hell yeah, they're right. So here we go with the, the orange death count. So Clemenza asks for more wine at the beginning, in the, the wedding, the picture, and he's given a picture of wine with oranges floating in it by Paulie. The driver he later has to kill. Yeah. 
Tessio reaches across a table for an orange, foreshadowing not only his death, but that he will cross the Corleones. Um, there are oranges on the table between Tom Hagen and Jack Waltz, who's the guy who I believe then has the horse in his bed when they're trying to get um, his godson the acting role um vito corleone is buying oranges when he comes out of um what i didn't realize at the time is one of his um olive oil like factories is coming out of there and that's when he goes to like the greengrocer so as he's buying oranges he's then shot um carlo is wearing an orange jumpsuit when sonny beats him up foreshadowing both of their deaths during the sit down with the other dons an orange is placed in front of each don that michael later has killed and then vito has an orange peel in his mouth pretending to be a monster when he suffers his fatal heart attack so i thought that was really really fucking cool (laughs) after like not knowing that to begin with they're awful as well oranges are pretty much the only fruit that i don't i mean i don't dislike the taste of orange i just they're a shit fruit aren't they you gotta peel them and then you get the pith in there or whatever the fuck you call it (laughs) They're just a shit fruit. I just prefer it as the juice, and that's about it. <laughs> um, apparently, yeah. like it's—I I don't know whether it's an Italian thing or not—but it's supposed to be the opposition to the fact that oranges are usually seen as, um, um, without sounding too punny, with the word like fruitful or like the start of something or growth or kind of life, kind of all that kind of stuff is what oranges are usually contextually sort of shown as all right matt kermode all right <laughs> so i thought that was pretty cool cannolis obviously the the famous cannolis that are sort of briefly That's mentioned in this good, film that would be another good slogan for a t-shirt take the gun no yeah get take the gun leave the cannolis <laughs> i would it would be the opposite way around for me leave the gun take the cannolis no, that's you could what, probably buy that already. That's what it is. That's what the line is. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, because obviously they don't have any forensic science on guns back then, so everyone just used to... Like, when he shoots the guy in the restaurant, he just chucks, oh, yeah, yeah. chucks the gun on the floor. He's like, make sure you leave the gun, because obviously they can't be pinned to it if they don't have it with them. Yeah. So he gets the cannolis for his wife. But that was uh, one of the facts, is that Richard S. Castellano ad-libbed that line, which is now, like, infamous. <laughs> you know? It's funny how like, like, the cannolis are one of those things that... They're wild popular, like if you go to New York or like any any area of uh, any city in America which has like an, kind of, an, I don't want to say an Italian district, but places that serve Italian food. Um, New York, you get cannolis everywhere. You, you, could, you couldn't kill for a cannoli in this country or you would find <laughs> it hard. To, I know one place in Leeds that does them and it's that Sicilian joint near... Uh, you know, down in Kirkstall. She doesn't know with an accent then. <laughs> Sicilian joint. Down. Yeah, that Sicilian joint down, but we get we get some did you get some cannolis for this episode? <laughs> well, I I Blue can't, I can't, I can't leave it. my house because obviously I'm I'm going away to Australia um next week. Fucking brave it, man. Roll the dice. <laughs> well, that's hey, why man, I, but did you, by the way, did you know that um I sh- I meant to tell you this. I not only am I here to uh, provide people with entertainment. Um, oh really? Is that you... what you're doing? <laughs> no yeah, well, I'm trying. I'm here to give you a bulletin because now you should arrive five hours before any international departure at Manchester Airport. I've so, seen that today. Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, well, I thought I was helping you out. You did. You were. You were helping out the listeners when, whenever this episode does fall. It probably this episode potentially may be live as I am away. So <laughs> when it goes live, I may be in Australia. Um, but yes, so that's the reason that I was going to point out I haven't had any food other than we had the marshmallows from the Ghostbuster episode where I nearly died. Um, because I haven't well, been out of the house since... since last week. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, just a, ma- one marshmallow a day keeps uh, the doctor diet, coming coming so... to you for diabetes or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you'd be all right if you ate one a day. You just start to lose weight really rapidly and feel like <laughs> shit. You probably wouldn't get diabetes. <laughs> No cannolis are actually mentioned in a novel or shooting the script. Francis Ford Coppola included the detail from his, again, from his memories of the particular white boxes of cannolis that his father would bring home from work. There you go. I do like a cannoli. They are very nice. Um, Like I said, they're hard to to come by. According to, this this is quite a fun fact if you didn't know about it before. According to an August 1971 article, so this is an article prior to the film coming out, by Nicholas Pelagi in the New York Times, Paramount Pictures planned to release a line of spaghetti sauce bearing the Godfather logo to promote the film. It also planned Godfather restaurant franchises that would sell pizza, hero sandwiches, Italian ices, Italian breads and pastries, 
and a spin-off television series was also planned, but none of these ideas ever came to fruition. I'm happy that a spin-off TV series never happened. I would, I think, have on some level enjoyed uh, a small chain of restaurants. You'd never want to go to a bathroom, though, would you? No, well, I think that would oh, be kind no. of a cool little quirk. Like, they've got an old-fashioned toilet with a gun strapped behind it, but it's like a toy gun, you know? <laughs> and maybe you get a prize. If they, they, maybe they hide it in somewhere different every day, and if you find it... That, yeah, see, I'm, I, I could work in marketing. You're the, you're the professional market here. Yeah, marketeer. yeah. I, I could, that's a good idea, and you notice? No, I, I, I didn't say anything. I'm, I'm currently uh, looking up IPs for <laughs> how much it costs <laughs> to set up a chain. Mr. Beast finally got his Mr. Beast burgers over in this country, so, you know, if he can do that, we can... They're in we... Leeds now. Yeah, they are. They, they, yeah. They, Have they you done one yet? More? No, I, no. I mean, I thought about doing a, the a, the full menu, right? But um, it kind of feels like it too like an easy win it's got like 10 <laughs> items on it you know and i don't really I, I get sick of those fast food videos there's no no real story to them i like going out and you, know, traveling. you, you want to go to a godfather themed restaurant where the story is every time you go my friend <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's an offer there that you can't refuse if we end up doing it there's there's, there's plenty of puns if we were to set up a godfather related restaurant but we're not going to uh, <laughs> uh when writing the novel mario puzo either directly or indirectly borrowed ideas from real-life mafia stories, specifically borrowed a lot from the life of New York gangster Crazy Joe Gallo, including the dynamics of he and his brothers. In the movie, Sonny is the hothead, um, like Crazy Joe. Michael is the thoughtful and intelligent one, like Larry Gallo. And Fredo, or Fredo even, <laughs> is Fredo. <laughs> chocolate, chocolate Fredo, on the brain. Like a fucking chocolate bar. <laughs> The, the only way inflation busting yeah, chocolate yeah. bar. <laughs> I was going to say, for anyone outside of the country that listens to this podcast, the only way that in the UK you can figure out the rate of inflation is to go to a shop <laughs> and try and remember how much a Freddo cost you when you was a child and then how much a Freddo is now. They're bloody extortionate. They were like, that fucking little, that little <laughs> chocolate frog bastard. <laughs> But yeah, sorry, I digressed there. So Fredo the Dimwit, like uh, Michael Gallo, the, the reason that I got this fact is because it mentions the fish. So also terms like sleeping with the fishes and hitting the mattresses came from the lives of the gallows. An associate of the gallows, or gallos, I may be getting this wrong, was killed while on a fishing trip with friends and the gallows, or gallos, depending on how you say it, was sent a fish... Gaios. Gaios was sent a fish wrapped in a box just as when Sonny gets Luca Browse's bulletproof vest with a fish. Yeah. So, so, that, so there you go. That was just because, you know, I mean, it's, it is food. Technically, it's, that is a trout or salmon or whatever it is that they've been given. Maybe it's turbot. You reckon ter- it's turbot? <laughs> turbot for the third, <laughs> the third random podcast episode in a row. It's like our uh, Moby Dick, is that? It's like our white whale. It's like, a white, it's white like turbot. Candyman, I think. <laughs> when we come across the, the third film to have turbot in it, we're both going to fucking implode. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even. I was trying to think of like some stupid, like you just wake up in bed one day surrounded by like dead turbot or something like that. Imagine how much <laughs> that would cost. Jesus. Yeah, a lot. Expensive fish. Expensive fish. Um, Francis Ford Coppola's mother, Italia Coppola, had a scene as the Genko Olive Oil Company switchboard operator, but it ended up being on the cutting room floor. Um, the most troublesome scenes were shot on the very narrow Mott Street with the sidewalks jammed with merchants' wares. This is where Don Carleone exits his olive oil factory and is gunned down. So chuck that in because olive oil, obviously, synonymous with... Uh, well, Italy, Popeye. I guess. <laughs> and Popeye. Uh, and Popeye's... Yeah. Uh, Peace, I guess. You, yeah, you got wait, well, just when you flexed your arm, then it looked a bit like olive oil from Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> I need me, I need a can of spinach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, there was a fact. I'm sure uh, there's a podcast called No Such Thing as a Fish, which is a side podcast of the QI TV program that is on like BBC and whatnot. It's all the researchers from that, and they said that like I can't remember what percentage it is. So this is a very terrible me retelling their really good fact the high percentage of all the olive oil in the world, like even like just down at your local Tesco or Walmart or wherever you are in the world, does have some sort of mafia involvement, even now. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even, even now, and also it's not, you know, like when you get like extra virgin olive oil and it's like that stupidly expensive stuff, that yeah. is still, because of the mafia involvement, a watered down product compared to what it should be. I can't remember the fact. Uh, it's, it's annoying me, but it was on an episode of No Such Thing as a Fish 
Um, I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel like a dangerous man now. Next time I have some with da- with olive oil, I'm gonna feel like extra dangerous. That's that's what we like to do on this podcast. I always try and make our listeners feel like dangerous people whilst they eat food. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, Michael Corleone continually drinks water because obviously we don't just talk about food on this podcast. In the first two films, hinting that he's diabetic which later comes to fruition in the third film. I, you know, that fact kind of spoiled the, the other two films for me. Yeah, you know, those big plot points. But uh, yeah, that is, um, that is all the facts. They're all food-related. Not really sure what the next section of this podcast is going to be because normally we talk about like food and stuff. So. Well, we've been kind going like 55 it. minutes. So we, yeah. we, we can accommodate a, a little bit of food chat and then I think we're, we're almost wrapping it up. Yeah, cool. I will I will transition us over to general chat and then let's get this wrapped up like that fish in a bulletproof vest. <laughs> fish in a bulletproof vest would be a pretty interesting band name, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good one, yeah. Um... When I was watching this the other night, uh, my other half, Abby, came into the room and she's seen it before and it was near the wedding scene at the beginning. Two things, obviously, I'm getting married this year, so the first thing was, can we have a cake like that? And the cake is like like nine feet tall. It's like the Godzilla yeah. of wedding cakes. Um, what do you reckon? Could you have a bash at that as a competitive food eater? Do you think you'd take that one down? Absolutely not. People ask me that all the time. I, I, no, and I hate wedding cake food. <laughs> it's like, it's, like sh- it's proper shit cake. Oh, we've, I mean? it's so big. we've gone we've gone fancy with ours we've got salted caramel we've got chocolate as one layer salted caramel is another and then we've gone for a white chocolate and prosecco layer as well so we've tried to tried to is get that, rid of is the that, shitty is that wedding after, is, is that the thing that I'm invited to is that the reception <laughs> after or do you you're, you're, you're just you're just in car park aren't you I thought that's what I'd invite like, well, I don't give a fuck where I am I'll be coming for that cake <laughs> God, yeah, no, you bringing all your cameras and doing like uh, a wedding cake eating challenge and just destroying my wedding cake before I have chance to to have any uh, myself. I, I, I'd be happy to ruin your day. I, I don't really want to ruin Abby's day. No. Yeah, she she may kill. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Yeah. Um, she mentioned also the second thing during that is that she was like, oh, have you have you made a note about, about the wine? And I was like, uh, yeah, they've, they've got wine. Like, I've, I've made a note, they're drinking wine. We, we mentioned all the food and drink in the films. Um, she was like, yeah, but it's, it's in a jug. That's like a very Italian thing. Like, if you go to Italy, they always give you it in a jug. You don't always get it in a bottle. It's always in, like, jugs. I was like, all right, yeah, cool, yeah, cool. And, yeah, I have been to Italy. That is a thing. So there, bit of uh, culturalness <laughs> to the podcast. Well, they, they are Italian, Jordan. <laughs> to draw it to your attention, they are Italian. Um, I'm trying to think of the other other food. So there's some lasagna at the wedding because obviously you couldn't have a big mafia Italian wedding without uh, you know Michael asking his his other half if she likes the lasagna or not. The vibe the vibe I get from that wedding party is, is very it's pretty apart from James Khan um, forced himself upon a woman upstairs while his wife is presumably downstairs somewhere. Um, Apart from that, it seems pretty uh, pretty tame. I reckon nobody's whipping their gun out and saying, "I'm gonna I'm gonna whack you." Um, you know, I, I get shades of Mickey Blue Eyes. You know that film with Hugh Grant when I watch any gangster film, um, and it's pretty. It just looks like it'd be a good jam. Like you could turn up there and have a laugh. And I think the worst part is that uh, Vito's kind of working, isn't he? Like well into yeah, his daughter's just, wedding, just in between it. Yeah, like. Um... I finally got that reference from like every other film in existence since this film came out with the you came to me at my my daughter's wedding blah 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 because it's in like it's in cartoons it's probably been done in the Simpsons at some point and obviously I knew it was oh, from yeah, the Godfather yeah. but now I've finally seen it and I'm like all oh, right okay yeah I get it like he's he's a busy man who's clearly trying to sort out his family favors whilst he's at the wedding the FBI agents turn up as well at the wedding don't they and I was thinking that something was going to kick off there like you said it was fairly tame and just nothing happens they just trash his camera and then give him some money for the camera which is quite nice yeah. I guess yeah. destroy his camera and pay for it um, other food that I noticed I'm just going to rattle through random stuff and we can discuss or not discuss R- rattle the, away rattle away some, some macaroons slash and or cookies they look like on a table there's a lot of fruit my grand my gran used to make like the like macaroons so heavy if you ate them you would sink if you went swimming you know what i mean like you'd die in the bath if you ate those fuckers it was so dense that's probably why i'm so good at eating now it was, it was it was like the episode of the simpsons you know where they try and make something that's so like calorie dense that it kills homer that was her with the macaroons so that's it that's uh is that your top tip for anyone wanting to get into competitive eating training like stop the fasting stop the the sorting out your calorie intake throughout the week stop the drinking more water to stretch your stomach and all that carry on just just somehow find some really really stodgy macaroons yeah, yeah. 
Um, oh, what else have I got? Um, there's there's a meal at the before the horse's head bit, which you can't. It's just a, like people will go, but you you miss the meal in the in the horse's head scene thing. It's it's very nondescript sort of like meat and veg type meal with a big pile of oranges in the middle of the table, which obviously we've just mentioned. There's a reason for that. But also, what the fuck, man? Like, what, what, what kind of a shit dessert? <laughs> like, I guess it's a different time period, and oranges were probably held in much higher esteem back then. But flaunting your wealth by having a mountain of oranges on your table is just not something you know <laughs> that anyone does anymore. Oh god, uh, we, we sort of mentioned the cooking. We we kind of mentioned it as the fact, I guess. But yeah, so a little bit of oil, fry some garlic, tomatoes, some tomato paste. Fry it, but don't let it stick. Boil it. Shove in your sausage, which I, I did giggle at a little bit, and your meatballs, and add a little bit of wine and a bit of the sugar. Balls too. The balls, <laughs> yeah. how deep you going, son? Stick, stick it all in. Have a little giggle, and then add a bit of sugar and some wine, and wham, bam, you're done. It does sound quite tasty. I mean, I have seen some videos when I was doing the research for this episode there are people. I don't know if Bingin has actually done the meatballs. He's done the cannolis. Oh, he's done the he's cannolis. Done. But people have done the uh, the the meatballs and the meatball sauce. So maybe at some point one day we should try and make the sauce, and then when we eventually and obviously do Goodfellas, which will be a good comparison, we will do the prison sauce, and maybe we can like see which one's better. Maybe that's a future thing at yeah. some stage. One of these, one of these random food fights that we keep mentioning that we haven't yet done. Film food you, fights. You keep mentioning it. Yeah, you keep mentioning it. <laughs> we'll do it eventually. Um, obviously, in the background of there as well, in case anyone points it out. Yes, there are some some bread and some random bits of like steak and whatnot chilling in the background, and some tinned tomatoes. Um, there's the sandwich in the hospital, which is really cool because it, it, it that not only shows that everyone's like disappeared from the hospital and sets up the danger but like i didn't realize this until like going back and watching that scene again that there's a bowl of soup or like some coffee or something that's with the sandwich and the pickle and the marble cake and you can still see the steam on it so the people have very clearly just left and he's got there at just the right time so it sets that timing for what the the actual event is when it's going to unfold which i thought was pretty cool quite liked that um, the the restaurant scene. The only thing is, is um, it's basically his last meal, isn't it? Is the the veal the best in the city? Veal. Have you had veal before? Because I've never had veal. I have had veal. Yeah, I'm sure some people's shock and disgust. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, baby baby meat, not but human baby meat. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? Well, so uh, it's lamb I, in I, it, I, and people eat lamb. But yeah, yeah, it's. Like, I, I don't think I don't, I'm not like really I'm not really into it. I'm like eh, it's not. I, there's nothing that I really like about veal. I'll be honest. Yeah, I've never had it. It's never really appealed to me based on the fact that I know what it is, which is a bit weird considering, like I've just said, I have eaten lamb and I know what lamb is. But yeah, for some reason, it just hasn't quite settled with me the idea of having veal. So yeah, never done it. But they serve the best veal in the in the city, apparently. Well, the restaurant. I I I do wonder whether part of that line is like. In context of the scene, obviously they've taken him up for a meal and they're trying to like twist him and like get him on side and stuff. Part of me is like, it's a flex. It's like, a, this is the best veal you'll get in the city and it's like a proper Italian restaurant. But then at the same time, it's just another cool, like, because it's like the best and the last, which a lot of people, when you have your last meal, usually request like the best food, don't they? On like Death's Row and stuff, they ask for. I wouldn't be eating veal, so I'll tell you that for my last <laughs> meal. Not a chance. Um, there is a random, the last bit of food, other than like, there's, there's another family like casserole scene where they're having like some nondescript like Italian style casserole at the house. Um, it might be before Sonny's death, um, like a little bit before that. But in between sort of the, the restaurant scene deaths and him disappearing to Italy and this scene, there's just like a Sicily. Random, Sicily, Sicily, Jordan, come yeah, on Sorry, now. Goes, goes to Sicily, Different yes. Different places. My granddad was in Sicily in the war. He got shot. Well, he didn't actually. He got hit by a tank shell and survived. Wow. I don't know why I'm not... I, I, yeah, he was like tough as nuts. I don't know what happened when it got to my generation. I didn't get any of that toughness. <laughs> Jesus. He could play the fucking... He could play the... Uh, I get the feeling that... I'm starting to think Captain Corelli's mandolin was based on him because he's not that he played <laughs> mandolin. He, play, he played an accordion, which is mad. Like, my dad only told me after he died. I thought, fuck's sake, man. You could have told me that so I could have... Sit, I would have bought him one. You could have... Anyway, that was a tangent. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's quite cool, though. Like, as always, we always find out a little bit more about Beard on this podcast. The I, one I thing the, that you don't, don't get <laughs> elsewhere. I think I got part of the part of the musical talent, uh, but none of the toughness. If I got <laughs> hit by a tank shell, I'd probably just evaporate, I reckon. <laughs> I don't know what he yeah. did. He probably took it down on his chest. I don't know. I've got, yeah, <laughs> just vol- just volleyed it away. <laughs> volleyed it back to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also was going to say, just in that random scene, it looks like there's some spaghetti, which is odd, because if you go back to that fact that we've just mentioned, with the fact that they were going to like put like Goodfellas like branded spaghetti like before the film came out or whatever to promote it, there is literally no spaghetti in this film apart from that. And I also think one of the facts that I missed out or I didn't put down but i do remember is that one of the reasons that they picked um coppola in the first place to direct is that they wanted a a proper italian person to do an actual italian gangster film and one of the quotes by one of the people that sought him out was that they wanted to smell the spaghetti on him which uh, sounds wildly racist (laughs) sounds wildly racist yes that's that's so bad (laughs) but in the context i guess at the time i'm presuming they were friends but yes sounds very bad out of context and just in general don't go around saying that to your Italian friends these days because you'll probably get a, a beating bigger than that guy did in the street in this scene which also yeah, I would man. say um, that scene does not age very well uh, it's very 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 pulled in terms of the punches and the slaps and the uh, the sound effects and whatnot. but I think there's yeah. a, there are parts of it that are like you're alright and then there's this one particular punch which goes it misses him by about two feet yeah. and you're just thinking like why did they leave that in the edit you know you could have cut that yeah you, yeah you could have cut that like that one punch and the rest is kind of believable but um, yeah man James Khan, what a weird career trajectory Godfather to misery getting his his legs broken to uh, Buddy's dad yeah weird very anyway. very very strange um and finally, oh, wait, also- doing, it was in a it, it was in a razor before that, wasn't he? He was the bad guy in a racer with uh, Schwarzenegger because at the end he's like, "You've you've just been erased." <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, go on. yeah, there goes you knowing every single line from every Schwarzenegger film ever made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's obviously the meeting food, which we mentioned the oranges, but there's also like some some nuts or pistachios and things like that in the meeting, and that's about it. Um, have you got anything else you want to say about this film? Because, I mean, some people might be like, oh, but you didn't really talk about it this time. You kind of just went through the facts and the food. But, like, sometimes that, that's maybe all you, you need. This is a cult classic. Yeah, well, and, like, what else do you want you from us? About, <laughs> yeah, how can you talk about Godfather? Really, it's, it's one of those things you have to to watch to appreciate its brilliance. It's just, it's back where I, I the, the thing I love about Godfather and films even of that era like, you get people, oh, you, well, you're watching a film from the 70s. That's when films were good because, like, they were, they, they were they relied on practical effects and they were driven by how good the performances of the actors were, the, the power of the script and whatnot. And it's like it's no small accomplishment to, to make a family of mobsters likable and like them, make them central characters who look human, you know, but that come a cropper of things that they do. Um and it's, yeah, it's just a great story. And I mean, don't let the, like I say to Lynn sometimes, don't let the length put you off. Um, <laughs> c- c- commit, c- commit to it. I mean, not in the other, the other uh, you know, the opposite way around because I don't have much yeah. of it. But um, it's, a, it's a long movie, but like the best movies are, man. We, we don't have to be part of this TikTok generation where everything's fucking seven seconds long. It's not fine. <laughs> go, watch, go watch a film which is long, get your money's worth, and you'll enjoy this one. Wow, that was an excellent. Uh, I'm going to start calling them beardisms, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. You just go off on a on a very, very, very poignant tangent about the state of cinema. <laughs> start. I'll have yeah. to compile them into like one episode at some point. But if yeah, you're no, thinking about watching Morbius, don't go. Don't watch Morbius. <laughs> save yourself a trouble. Yeah. Stay no. at home. Get Godfather on Netflix or whatever the. Fuck I agree. I I did it so you don't have to. And just just based on my little intro thing at the beginning about that film, all you need to know is is what I said. And that's it. And we didn't even go into great detail. You don't you don't need to bother. Just listen to Adam and just listen to, to me here as well and just watch The Godfather. As a person that's never seen it before, um, I thought that it was going to be one of those hype things where like everyone said it's amazing, but then when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, it is genuinely very, 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 very good. So check it out. Check, check, look at that. Look at that for a review. Like some Roger Ebert or whatever here. I'm just like, it's very, 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 very good. Go watch it. <laughs> We, we didn't even cover uh, we have, uh, probably the most or one of the most famous facts or factoids or things about this film that people tend to talk about is uh, Don Corleone putting the uh, getting that mouthpiece made by his dentist. 
because obviously um we're not i mean the, the actor marlon brando um does not look like that in real life he has like he's got these jowls on him what no way uh, no <laughs> yeah have i just destroyed the illusion when he did the when he did, apparently when he did the the audition he put cotton wool in his mouth like mm-hmm. it was like a last minute thing because he thought he'd look like a bulldog I don't know why <laughs> he's probably on some class a or something i don't know but um he uh, he then when they when he got cast in the movie he had the dentist make uh, uh, like a prosthetic which he wears in his mouth and gives him that kind of uh, you know mean ass uh, jolly look. I, I can't believe that we didn't actually mention that. Yeah, no, no, great. That's a great fact to to round it out with. I did know that he had like a piece, but I didn't know that that was like the the main sort of like I big. Where fact. that is now? Where do you probably in a, is now? in a museum. Do you think it's like they probably are like very big? Like there's obviously like near us, for example. There's like the digital and media museum in bradford or wherever that's got some artifacts from cinemas gone by days but yeah i'm wondering if it's in like a more prestigious version of that somewhere else are you googling it are you having a look i'm I'm trying to find out where it is (laughs) um i'll i don't think i'm gonna find out right now I'm, i'm looking at pictures of it looks like it would be nasty to put in your mouth probably smells Um, now probably stinks if it's still there somewhere (laughs) Some of the, uh, the, the like, you know, the frequently asked questions are hilarious. Why does Vito Corleone have a jaw? I mean, like, if he has no jaw, <laughs> that'd be terrifying. It'd be like a like some sort of weird zombie mafia noir film <laughs> with no jaw. Yeah. That would be awful. But uh, yeah, I don't know where the mouthpiece is. But yeah, I'll I'll go. I'll, that's my homework. I'll find out for next week. That'd be there's a random fact to throw into whatever random film we're doing next week, just midway through. Oh, by the way, I found this. <laughs> right. Find out who's listening? Right, let's 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 wrap this shindig up. Let's go to the outro. And that's a very big episode in the bag. Not in terms of the length of this podcast, it's probably on the short side of what we've done before. But that is I would say, do you think that that's gonna drive the numbers? You know, we did we did uh you know a what was the last big, big film that we did where we we shot off into the stratosphere? Um the Strudel episode. From Inglorious Bastards, that that got a lot of the numbers in. So surely, when people see that we've done The Godfather and these two idiots that have no idea what they're talking about most of the time have done that, everyone's just going to flock straight to this this episode, right? Oh yeah, for sure. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't bother myself with the num- I never bother myself with the numbers on YouTube. Oh, why would I bother now? You know, I just make <laughs> stuff that you enjoy, and hopefully, people uh, if if they don't enjoy it, they they tolerate it at the very least. <laughs> but people seem to be sticking around. I've got some some new info later into this outro um well you'll, you'll see soon let's let me crack on with uh, the bit as it is and uh, you'll find out so we are available wherever you get your podcasts from again as always it's a bit weird to say this because you are currently listening to us but just in case you are spying and stood outside someone else's house whilst they're working from home whilst they're listening to it out loud you can find it yourself by searching for movie mouthfuls podcast on your favorite podcast provider make sure to give us a subscribe or a follow or a star review for the podcast as it all helps out especially if you're on apple podcasts or if you're listening on spotify you can now give a star review on spotify as well so just do it in app it'll take you like what five seconds to just hit the stars preferably five but you know we wouldn't be ashamed if we took a four Um, and yeah just do that please because that will get us in front of more delightful people like whoever you are who's currently listening (laughs) Sorry, man. I just, I, for some reason, I whipped, while you were doing that, I whipped open Twitter, and the first video that p- appeared was there's a woman in Walmart threatening somebody with a knife, and then just gets fucking, she gets tasered <laughs> in a from a first person view uh, camera, like it's Call of Duty or something, and she just gets <laughs> fucking penciled like she goes down <laughs> perfectly rigid. Sorry, wow! Man, and she wow. she falls into a big pile of uh, shirts. Oh man! Oh, you could have could have changed it. You could have been like she fell into a big pile of oranges or something like that, and made it like themed <laughs> to, to the episode a bit. <laughs> there are some basketballs in the background. They're like kind of kind of like oranges. Cool. So uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, I'm sure Beard's probably liked it. So if you just head on his Twitter, you probably find it somewhere. <laughs> Um, we haven't got any reviews this week because obviously as we mentioned before we're recording these at home we're kind of backfilling a little bit to try and avoid when I'm away and also when Beard's away so when this episode comes out we've still not got any new reviews so the job of by the time you've got to this third episode in these back catalogue of episodes we've recorded we would like some reviews so we can read them out for, for when we're back 
Um, you can find us over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Movie Mouthfuls. You can also find myself over on Twitter at the Filmfeller underscore. And if you are so inclined, and obviously you don't have to, you can head over to YouTube and search for the Filmfeller. Um, you know, I do film and TV reviews when I feel like it. At the moment, it seems not very often. I'm sorry. Um, Beard is obviously, well, I'm assuming most people are listening to this because of Beard, but who knows? Maybe some of you have discovered me first and then found the delights of uh, an actual successful YouTube channel such as Beard Meets Food. But you can check him out on YouTube or over on his social media. I'm pretty sure you just Beard Meets Food everywhere, aren't you? That's right. Everywhere apart from TikTok and Snapchat, <laughs> if that still exists. You can't find me there, that's for sure. Yeah, so if you, if you have got him on there, d- delete that because that's probably some dodgy bloke or person or woman <laughs> so probably get rid yeah, of them me. <laughs> me. Um, if you fancy sending over a question or you've got anything that you want to say to us you can either tweet us and we'll happily have a conversation with you or you can slide into his dms and messages that way or you can email us at moviemouthfuls at gmail.com again because we're recording these prior to them coming out we haven't got any new ones but hopefully by the time that you guys have listened to some of these you may start chucking some more of them our way and we'll read them out um Patreon. This is where um, Adam sort of yeah screams in pain, but also um, is where I wanted to mention that we've got some uh, well, we've got another newcomer basically. So if you want to support us, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/MovieMouthfuls if you wish to do so. You know, you don't have to. That is not obligation of listening to this podcast at all. But if you want to, you can. Um, and you know, only only give what you can afford and if you can't don't do it but as always big thank you to martin scott maria and also our new patreoner samantha deitch i believe is your surname i apologize if i've got how that do you wrong. spell it jordan i'll say it right how do you spell it it is d e i t c h carol Vorderman over there <laughs> uh, yeah d- d- i think that's deitch See, you, it's on this podcast now, because sometimes I get names wrong, you get like a, a full shout out and a spell out as well. But uh, thank you very much, Samantha, for uh, joining the Patreon, as I've started to call them the past three weeks. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but yeah, Martin, Scott, Maria and Samantha, thank you so much. As always, we'll stick all that money into the podcast and, you know, whether it's a bag of marshmallows that I nearly choke on or a new microphone, it's, uh, it's thanks to you guys. So cheers, guys. Um, if you want, go on. I think Adam was wanting to say something. I'm oh, presuming. I was, I thank you. Be, I was going to try and get a word in edgeways and just be polite <laughs> and say, yeah, thank you very much. If you can buy marshmallows sufficiently uh, in in density and size enough to choke <laughs> Jordan to death, then all the I'm all for it. That's good use of a Patreon account. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go, folks. He's not against it when it almost kills me. <laughs> Merch-wise, if you want to support us, we want to get something for your money instead, then obviously that makes total sense to us. You can head over to moviemouthfuls.bigcartel.com, grab yourself a mug or a hoodie or a t-shirt, as some people were before. And if you use the code MOUTHFULS, you'll get 10% off just so we can make it super cheap. And, you know, we're, we're not skimming it off the top. We're basically taking the bare minimum just so we can put it back into the podcast for the things that I just mentioned Thanks, as always, to Lee and Hi Honey for the music and the jingles on the pod, which, as I always mention, is probably the only reason that Adam is still doing this. Uh, go check out Hi Honey over on your chosen music streaming service or YouTube. Um, if you have watched any of Adam's videos recently, occasionally he will pop up as some of the musical intros He'll be to them. up on the next one. The next <laughs> one is in the intro to the Atlanta series. Hey, I've not you... told him yet, so he couldn't sue me, but um, he's in I think he just he just likes the love. I'm af- I'm afraid. I don't think he's going to sue you. You're not going to get any exciting legal battle from 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 no. John from High Honey. Um, and we did mention before, and obviously by the time all these come out, it'll be much further into the future. But Lee's new band EXTS or Exits. I'm going to go with Exits. It sounds better. Um, with their debut track Breathe is now available not only on YouTube as it was before, but you can now listen to Breathe on Spotify or whatever sort of music streaming platform, if you use Deezer, if you're one of those people that still uses that, or if you, uh, yeah, if you're on Apple Music or whatever, go check it out. So Exits Band, spelled E-X-T-S, and the new single and debut single is Breathe. I'm sure you'll love that if you go listen to that. Finally, huge thank you to Damon, again, for the awesome artwork that is obviously on all of the merch and on this lovely podcast that we both do. We will be back very soon, but until then, remember to always side with the Movie Mouthfuls podcast. You never go against the Movie Mouthfuls podcast.
What? Oh, um, <laughs> I, w- I was going to say never uh, indulge in a life of organized crime. Don't, um, don't do that either. Or, or at least if you do, don't get caught and then fund this podcast for your illicit activities. Yeah. Yeah, that we're, we're, we're fine with that. Anyway, see you in a bit. Peace. Peace.